And we're going to have uh, JoLynn Bailey-Page, who is our grant writer for ACB. She's going to go around with the mic and have everybody take a moment and introduce themselves. And when you introduce yourself, the, the focus of this particular RDC workshop is easy money, just ask. So if any of you all out there in your affiliates or chapters have had success where you've gone outside of your organization and asked either a, uh, you know, a, a social club like Alliance or a Rotary or a corporation or any kind of foundation for funds and you've received them, you know, kind of quickly share that story as we go through and do the introductions. Because I think part of this is for us to talk to you all a little bit, but it's also for this to be an interactive session and for us to learn from each other. So, JoLynn, if you could get started and... Okay. Okay, I'll hand you the mic. Yep. Maybe, maybe while JoLynn's getting started, I'll introduce uh, our panel for the day. So, to my immediate left, we have Tom Tobin, who's our ACB Development Director from Cleveland, Ohio. So, say hello to Tom. And next to Tom, we have Dan Dillon, who is the co-chair of our RDC committee from Hermitage, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Also, that's going to be on the panel today, she's not here right now because she's closing out the ACB mini-mall for the day, but Carla Rushable from Louisville, Kentucky, who's our ACB treasurer, will be with us a little bit later today. And then I, myself, am Dan Spoon. I am the co-chair of the Resource Development Committee from Orlando, Florida. So welcome, everybody. And now we'll have Joe Lynn pass the mic around and, and, and have everybody introduce themselves. Okay. Thank you, Joe Lynn. I'm Donna Brown from West Virginia, and I'm on the RDC committee, uh, chair of the WALK committee. I don't know what else you need to know. You're not flooded out. <laughs> We're glad you made it. Right, the, the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk that's already, I think, over $50,000 for this year, Donna. Yay! <laughs> and by the way, just logistics of this room, up here is, is our podium with a, a, a table uh, to my left, your all's right. Uh, and then behind me on my right, your left, is Larry Turnbull, who's streaming from ACB Radio. And we have, we have two doorways. So if you hear a door kind of to, as you look at me, my right and behind me a little bit is the door that's kind of on the side of the conference room that goes the closest to the bank of elevators for the room. So occasionally somebody will come in that door, and then we have a door at the back of the room as well. Okay, so hopefully that will help on logistics. Go ahead, Joe Lynn. I'm Andy Arvidsson, and I'm from Anacortes, Washington. Uh, this is my first convention. I'm a member at large of WCB and Guide Dog Users International. Um, I'm trying to get a group started in my local area. We have some support groups, but I'm trying to get them affiliated with Washington Council of the Blind, American Council of the Blind. So it's a slow process. Well, welcome. We're glad to have you. Hi, I'm Colette Arvidsson, wife of him. I am also a member at large, and hopefully we'll get things going in Anacortes, Washington. Very good. 
I'm Pat Tusing, Indiana. In the newsletter, there's a ad for the Literacy Project. If you're interested in knowing more, contact 5120. Very interested in fundraising. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Welcome back. We've seen you in a few conventions. It's good to see you again. Victor from Greater New York, New York City. Um, so, yeah, I'm part of the um, state, state, Greater New York, but I'm one of the radio people from the state. So, well, Welcome, Victor. Frank Welty from the California Council of the Blind. Um, I'm very interested in fundraising. All right, very good. Welcome, Frank. I'm Michael Neal from Ogden, Utah. This is my first convention uh, from the Beehive State. We just buzz over to Nevada for easy money. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, in all seriousness, I know that our executive director does a lot of the fundraising through grants and other things. And um, we also work with Amazon a little bit to have a percent of the purchases. Other than that, I really don't know. So this will be great. Welcome, Michael. And my nephew just moved to Portland, so if you see a you know a twenty six year old on the street that looks hungry, pull over and feed him. Which promise? Bruce Radke, Bellingham, Washington. Our local group has gone to our community food co op and um, made arrangements so that they set aside a month of the year and during that month they keep track of all of the uh, purchases and at the end of the month I think it's two percent I don't know exactly what percentage they set aside and give to our organization and we also have an opportunity to do a table there uh, one day and try to help people know a little bit about the organization. It's not a huge amount of money, but it's a start. And, and Bruce, is it just so you get the 2% all year long or just for that one month where you're the designated charity? One month. One month. Okay, very good. And by the way, Bruce is the most uh, dedicated super volunteer for this organization that you would ever want to meet. So number one, give Bruce a great round of applause. Hello, my name is uh, Terry Olandes from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm the current president of the uh, Cincinnati Council and uh, on the state board for Ohio. Well, welcome, Terry. You're right in uh, Tom Tobin's hometown. He used to be president of ACB of Ohio, so you all have to connect. <laughs> My name is um, Linda Schultz, and I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm current president of ACB of Wisconsin, and um, I've never been an officer before. I just kind of volunteered for the position. (laughs) (laughs) Big mistake. And fundraising, oh, yeah, I need to learn a lot. Uh, Well, welcome, welcome. Hi, I'm Ronald Schultz, and I'm... uh, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, I'm a member of the Council for the Blind. Uh, I've been a member for about uh, three, four years. Welcome, Ron. Welcome. Okay. I'm Leslie Spoon. Uh-huh. I am the chair of the auction, and I'm on the RDC committee, 
and I love, love, love fundraising. I'm, <laughs> and I do, we do a trivia night in our local organization. Um, it's, it raises a lot of money. It's, it's a really fun event. So um, we, that's the one thing that we do in our local chapter. Thank you, Leslie. Eileen Vasquez. Um, I'm actually a member of the Blinded Veterans Association, and they sent me here, the regional group out of Minnesota has sent me here to learn more about fundraising and partnering with ACB. Wonderful, wonderful. Sally Ripplinger. I'm president of the Waterloo chapter of ICUB in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Well, welcome, Sally. Good to, ha- good to have you here. Hi, I'm June Bells, and I'm sighted, and I've been in ICUB with the Waterloo uh, chapter since 1998. Very good, very good. I had a chance to go speak at the ICUB uh, a convention three years ago. What, what a great group of people. Glad to have you. Hi, I'm James Gonzalez. Um, I'm a member of Hawaii Association of the Blind. And um, hopefully um, we can raise enough funds to send uh, all our members to Reno next year. <laughs> And second prize could be you could send all of us to Hawaii if that doesn't work. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Okay, that's everyone. Is there anybody that didn't get a chance to be introduced? All right, well, thank you all so much for being here today. Kind of the focus of this workshop, like we said in the title, is easy money, just ask. And I think every day we work so hard inside of our chapters and our affiliates with our own membership to raise money, whether it be dine and donates or bank sa- bake sales or 50-50 drawings or just, you know, all kinds of letters out to our membership asking for them for an annual donation through a direct mail campaign. We do a lot of things and we ask our members to help us a lot with the financial needs of our organization. The focus of this workshop is how can we reach out beyond our membership and from that standpoint be able to deliver some financial assets to help our ACB affiliates and chapters? So, so how, do we, how do we feel comfortable going out there and talking to people outside of our, our own ACB family? Tom Tobin is going to be first up, and he's going to talk to us about relationships. And relationships is kind of where it all starts. And related to that, you've each been given a handout. So has everybody gotten either a Braille or a large print handout, whichever will work best for them? Okay, good. So Tom's going to talk about relationships and how you, how you set that, that base uh, that allows you to then move forward with the ask for the donations. Then Dan Dillon is going to share with us some of the things they've done in Nashville uh, to develop sponsorships, both for events and for conventions. And then Carla's going to talk to us about what she's been able to accomplish by working with her different civic organizations, whether it be her Lions Clubs, Rotary Clubs, those type of things, and the type of program she's been able to put together and get funded 
you know, with community dollars, so to speak. So with that said, I'm going to turn it over to Tom Tobin, our development director. Everybody give Tom a big round of applause. Thank you, Mr. Spooner. I'm going to sit in my chair. You can sit in my chair. Okay, I will. It's just my stuff is in front of you, but anyway. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, glad you could join us today. As Dan mentioned, I'm ACB's Director of Development. I've been doing this for about uh, a little over three years. Um, but I've been working in the field of development for over 30 years. But I look a lot younger than I am, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> chilling, thank you. Anyway, I hope we have a little fun today. Um, fundraising, everybody seems to get all uptight and wound up about it. And really, uh, as Dan mentioned, the relationship piece of it is really what it's all about. But um, what I wanted to open today is to ask all of you, and I sort of got an inkling at this when uh, Joe Lynn went around with the microphone, but how many of you um, like to fundraise? I think I know who's the loudest up there, but that's okay. That's why I adore you. <laughs> so anyway, well, anyway, um, it's one of those things that has to kind of grow on you, right? So... Um, if you if you don't really get out there and do it much, then you know you don't really know what it's all about. So the the fear of the unknown is the worst. So anyway, today I'm hoping that between myself and my colleagues up here, we're going to be able to try and prove to you or substantiate or make the case, if you will, that really um, the connection between building strong relationships with your donors slash friends is really the, the the key to raising money. So. Um, since you all kind of got me off guard about wanting to showing that you do like to fundraise, um, I wanted to start by saying, okay, first of all, because most people say, eh, I don't like to fundraise. So I was going to ask you guys, how many of you guys, by show of applause, have someone you'd call your best friend? Someone that you could trust, someone you believe in, they trust you, believe in you? That's more like it. That's more like it. See, that's what it's all about. So um, the question I would then ask is, like, how did how'd you take how did you first meet that person, and then how did you deepen and grow that relationship? And I'm just sort of speaking rhetorically right now, but for me, it generally starts something like this. I meet someone, we strike up a conversation, we get to know each other a bit, and we realize, gosh, we have something in common. So we both kind of get a really good idea about what each is interested in doing. Um, and from there, you kind of cultivate and steward that relationship until the person becomes someone you get to even know more deeply and more deeply. The analogy, which of those of you that are cheating by reading the handout that JoLynn gave you, uh, is written by a friend of mine. I'll talk more about that in a second. But it's kind of like trying to light a fire. How many here were a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout when growing up? Anybody? All right. So you all can relate to trying to hit that spark to get that first flame to get that little piece of cotton going and then blowing on it ever so gently to get that flame to build up and build up and finally catch and get those logs ready so you're ready to cook the hot dogs on the grill and take things to the next level, right? Right. Well, I'm here to say that in my mind which is, I think, very different than many. Fundraising is really nothing more than building a relationship with somebody and getting to know them. Um, people, I think, put some kind of a stigma or there's some mystique about, oh, gosh, I couldn't possibly ask a good friend of mine. I couldn't possibly ask them for money. And I get asked that all the time. How the heck, Tom, do you like to ask people for money? Well, 
this is kind of what the analogy I'd give you is, first of all, that when you build that relationship, obviously the first thing out of your mouth is not, hey, Joe, it's great to see you. Would you like to support my walk team? Uh, that's probably not what's going to happen. But over time, as you get to know each other, you might say, hey, Joe, you know, it's great to see you. You might be out to lunch, having a good time. And, you know, um, he wants to know more about what you're into. And you tell him, you know, I'm a member of the American Council of the Blind, and I feel at a walk team. And, um, and we're trying to raise money to help ACB generate revenue so that we can continue to, you know, conduct our programs and services. But in order to do that, we need to raise money. And so hopefully at this point you engage your friend. I've engaged my friend Joe. And the scenario might go something like this. So I have this team, Joe, and um, my team is called the, the Tobin Hurricanes, not to take Florida Hurricanes, but the Tobin Hurricanes. So, and um, that's right. So, you know, I was wondering, Joe, if you would be willing to support me in my efforts to raise money for the American Council of the Blind. Okay? Does that sound pretty good so far? You guys are all asleep? So what I wanted to make note of here is that a lot of times people think, well, I'm going to go out and ask somebody to support the cause. Well, that's not how it works. Once you have a deep relationship with somebody, that person believes in you, they trust you, uh, they believe in what you believe in. And so when you go to, quote, make that ask, you ask them not to support the cause, but to support you. My friend Leslie up there is very good at it. Um, and that's how it works. So people that um, think it's, oh, you know, I want to ask you to support the American Council of Blind, no. I think you'll hear from our other speakers that it's all about asking the people that you're looking to get money from to ask them to support you, you as an individual, and you and what you're doing. And sure, anybody that knows anything about fundraising has probably heard the cliche, people give to people. And that couldn't be truer in, in, in uh, the area of fundraising. So... Um, Having said that, I wanted to do. I do want to reference the handout in your hands. Um, this is produced by a gentleman, a good friend of mine. He was the uh, director of development at the Chicago Lighthouse when I was uh, the vice president at Hadley School for the Blind um, in the early 2000s. And he writes this thing called the Weekend Briefing, and it's really kind of a neat thing. This one happens to touch on the whole point of building relationships. And he does use that symbolism, that cliche in there about striking the spark and blowing on that flame and hoping that it grows into something really strong and really powerful. And if you do your job right, the fundraising part just follows naturally. So I encourage you to read it. Um, you know, it's a pretty easy, quick read. Rob is even more of a seasoned pro than I am. He's a little older than me. He's been in the business for probably 35, 40 years. Uh, but what he writes is really common sense information that I think we need to remind ourselves that fundraising doesn't have to be so complicated, doesn't have to be so intimidating, doesn't have to make us fearful. It's really something that's pretty common sense, and if you stop and take a breath and think about what you're doing and go about it the right way, uh, as I said, the fundraising should fall into place without really any problem. So I hope you'll read it. Um, I hope you'll subscribe to it. I know Rob would appreciate that. Not that I want to give him a free commercial, but it is a good read. Um, so with that, I am now going to turn the podium over to uh, Dan Dillon, who's going to share his personal experience in the arena of fundraising. And I thank you for your time. Okay. All right. Um, Dan Spoon asked me to ask all of you if, before I sit down, if you guys have any questions um, before we take the next step in the pro program. Happy to answer them. And if not here, um, 
You can reach me through the 800 number at ACB, uh, 800-424-8666, extension 5, or very simply, ttobin at acb.org. I'd be happy to answer any questions, and um, that'd be great. Oh, we have a question. Okay. So my question is, how do you grow your network? Um, Being out of the military, coming back to Minnesota after many years, I do not have a friend base. Um, So how do you go about growing that, especially when you're not employed or looking for work? That's a great question. I'm not sure I had the perfect answer, but I think coming to something like this is a great start. There are a lot of great people involved in ACB, and I happen to also be involved with BVA. So, um, you know, you surround yourself with people that you have a common cause with, and, um, you know, one thing leads to another. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, how you grow your network is to start small and, and, and build it out. But, yeah, it, it's, um, I think it's really immersing yourself in your community and those types of things. So hope that helps. Yep, which Dan said, join, join, join. <laughs> join club, join groups. Yeah, join club. So. Any other questions before I relinquish the microphone? All right, thanks, guys, for your time. I appreciate it. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Tom. Um, as Dan and Tom said, my name is Dan Dillon from... Hermitage, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville, and uh, we've done a lot of fundraising in our local chapter in Nashville, and I think it's already been said, but I'll say it again. If you want to have activities and programs in your chapter and your affiliate, you've got to raise money to, 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 uh, to sponsor those programs and those activities. Um... And I'm going to mention two or three to you t- uh, today. Uh, I don't know if any of you out there, or many of you out there, uh, knew my late wife, Brenda. But Brenda was definitely somebody who was not afraid to ask. She wouldn't mind asking a congressman for a donation. I mean, she, she just... Um, she had no fear of rejection. And I, I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to that say to me, Dan, I can't, I can't solicit. I can't ask people for money. I can't ask people for auction items. Well, there's a big fear of rejection, you know. People don't like to be rejected. But that's just part of it. It's just part of it. And when you, when you uh, get a, a contribution from someone, whether it be a, a, a financial uh, donation or an auction item, or whatever it might be, it kind of it gives you a good feeling. It kind of gives you a uh, gives you a boost, and you're ready to approach somebody else. And it, it's not easy, guys, but somebody's got to do it, you know. And uh, um, if and if you if you want to have good programs and activities in your organization, someone's got to get out there and ask. And the money is out there. I mean, easy money, people say, oh, it's not so easy. Well, it's out there. But you, first you have to ask. And you may have to make a few phone calls, send out a few emails, knock on a few doors. But eventually, you're going to have some success. We had a, uh, a few years ago, we had a benefit concert in Nashville. 
And we had a, uh, some of you may know of Gordon Moat. Gordon Moat is a very talented musician in Nashville. He's a songwriter and he's a singer. He's, he's, he's a contemporary Christian uh, music person. And he's a wonderful musician. Well, uh, Tom mentioned developing relationships. Many, many years ago, Gordon Moat was one of Brenda's students. When she was a uh, special education teacher in Alabama, can you imagine that of all places, Alabama? Anyway, I, uh, I, I say that because I went to Michigan State, and I'm not too happy about that last game Alabama played with Michigan State. But anyway, so anyway, um, but because of that relationship that was developed many years ago, Brenda was a teacher. Gordon Moat was like in the third grade. But she could, they developed a relationship, teacher-student relationship. She could tell way back when how, how talented this young man was. Okay, so a few years ago, uh, Brenda contacted Gordon, and Gordon said, sure. I said earlier, Brenda was not afraid to ask. And so she asked Gordon if he'd do a benefit concert. He said, sure. Well, also... Uh, Brenda got some sponsorships. She got a, she got a sponsorship from Regal Entertainment because uh, several years ago, uh, Brenda developed a great relationship with Regal Entertainment, and that relationship is, is, is uh, well, be, being carried on by me, but Brenda's the one that made the initial contact and developed such a good relationship with Randy Smith at Regal Entertainment, Regal, Regal Cinemas. And uh, so not only did Brenda con contact um, Randy about a, a donation for our benefit concert, but I don't know if you all know now, but kind of a, a, a side uh, issue here or a benefit really for ACB and blind people and and visually impaired people across this land of ours, um, uh, 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 Regal Cinemas, I think there's over 500 or 550 that have audio description in their theaters. So not only have they contributed money, but they've, they've provided audio description. And, and, and I know that's not the topic today, but most of the movies that, that are produced today do have audio description for the blind. So Brenda uh, approached Randy and uh, about a sponsorship for this uh, benefit concert, and bingo, $500. Well, um, another example of a relate, building a relationship, um, there's a sign company in Nashville, and they had a contract to produce uh, Braille signage for the new courthouse they built in downtown Nashville. And the, that company was called, uh, is called Dixie Graphics. A, a gentleman with Dixie Graphics contacted Brenda and asked if, if, if they asked if she and she and I would do some proofreading and check out these Braille signage signs to see if the Braille signage was correct. 
And we did, and we developed a relationship with Dixie Graphics. So when uh, benefit concert time, well, Brenda contacted Dixie Graphics, and they gave $500. Well, uh, I, later, I, uh, Carla Rushevel was going to talk about developing relationships with uh, or other organizations, I believe, so I don't want to steal her thunder, but I've got to say that... Um, um, the Tennessee Council of the Blind, year after year after year, has presented Braille Awards to the Tennessee School for the Blind. Uh, we, we, we give uh, uh, Braille Awards and a, and a small cash uh, award to each student who is showing a lot of skills in reading and writing Braille. And, of course, we make a big point out of keeping Braille alive uh, you know, with all this modern technology, a lot of people are not learning Braille now, which is kind of sad, but we, we try to promote the use of Braille. Well, in, in, in doing this year after year at the School for the Blind, we got to know another organization that presents awards uh, at, at, uh, around graduation time at the Tennessee School for the Blind, and that is the Hermis, Hermitage Donaldson Exchange Club. So uh, we got to know the people there. So back to the uh, benefit concert. Brenda contacts the Hermitage Donaldson Exchange Club, and they donated $100. And here's, here's the thing. You know, you, you win some and you lose some. Now, Gordon Moat put on a tremendous concert. He sang his heart out. But unfortunately, as, as hard as we tried, and we... We, I had a, uh, I did a uh, promotion thing with Gordon on uh, WSM Radio, the the morning show with Bill Cody that covers a lot of territory, a lot of listeners. Uh, I did the thing with Gordon Moat at um, Channel 17 in Nashville to promote our benefit concert. We really tried hard to sell tickets. We had people putting up flyers all over the place. And for whatever reason, no matter how hard we tried, we, we, we didn't sell as, nearly as many tickets we, as we wanted to. Uh, we used a church sanctuary that seated about 600 people, and I think we only had about 100 people at, at the concert. But, but uh, it was a moneymaker because Brenda went out there and got those sponsorships. So... Uh, Another example is um, a few more years ago, we had a uh, Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind uh, walkathon. And back to relationships again, um, uh, one of our members uh, was a, a patient at the uh, Summit Eye Associates in Nashville. So she contacted them and um, they were a $250 sponsor for our walk. We, we, we contacted, um, tried to contact businesses that we had something in common with. One of our other members contacted a, a, a company that she had done business with. It was an ocular company. They produced uh, prosthetics. Um, Prosthetics eyes. Anyway, 
they were a $250 sponsor. So I thought, hey, uh, we, why not contact uh, Vanderbilt Eye Institute? I mean, it was just a cold call. It was just wild and crazy, you know? But I thought, they might, they might be open to, to making a donation. Well, after a few phone calls, they decided to donate $1,000 to our walk. So sometimes you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants, but just make up your mind, hey, it's worth an ask. Why not? What do I have to lose? They can just say no. So then um, we had a member who worked for a trucking company. Had nothing to do with being blind, but, but we got, we got a, a $250 donation from that company because of the relationship with, with my, our member who was an employee in, in, the, in that company. And, um, and then we also got, at that time, um, Walmart was a little more lenient with their donations. They've tightened things up a little bit, I guess, now, but, um, but we, get, we got $1,000 from uh, Walmart. So, so anyway, uh, that, that's kind of uh, my story. Um, you just got to be willing to get out there and ask. Don't dwell on the fact. Don't dwell on rejection. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to happen. It's just all, it's part of it. And it makes you feel so good when you get a donation. And uh, th that's really kind of what it's all about. I'd be willing to answer any questions you might have. This is kind of a nuts and bolts uh, presentation. That's, I mean, this, this is the way it was in, in, in Nashville with, with some of our fundraisers. Yeah, I have a question. Yeah, Tom. So when you approach somebody and they say, sorry, Dan, I can't do it, how do you, how do you react to that? Like, the no is like, okay, that might be a no, but not right now. May not be forever. I don't. I don't. You know, I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't give up easily. <laughs> so and you that, go back and approach them again and see if the yeah, exa exactly. Yeah. So you, yeah, you don't give up then. You know, you, you're disappointed, but you, you go back if you if you get the impression that they they might they might change their mind down the road. You know, maybe next year, then call them again next year. That's a good point too, Leslie. Is is try to hit them up in the early in the fiscal year because uh, I have had those things happen. I've I have contacted businesses and say, well, we'd we'd love to uh, contribute, but it's we've used up all our money for that type of thing for this year. So I make a note of that and contact them next year. When I was uh, 21 years old, I walked in this place and I did nurses' aid work. And the lady in the kitchen said, anything worth having is worth asking for. And I've thought of that so many times when I've lost my courage. <laughs> that's, because you have to kind of give yourself a good line like that. <laughs> that's inspirational, yeah. yeah. And Dan? Yes. Hey, um, so this is a piggyback on Tom's question. Um, so when you go to someone and you ask for money and, or donation for item and they say no and you said, you know, you go back at the right time, whatever, how long do you wait f 
for them for to say, you know, I'm I'm not giving up on the ask again. Uh, yeah, help me, Tom. Yeah, he needs the mic. We're on. We're on the radio, guys. You want to use this one, or you? Oh no, um, I think I think one of the tricks of fundraising when you start to get into it more and more is that um, when I get told no, I try and ask people sort of leading questions as to why. You know, um, can you give me some insight? as to why this, you know, may not be a good time or where well, generally people are pretty willing to share that with you, you know. As I, I used the example the other night, you know, my boiler in my basement blew up and I had to spend seventeen thousand dollars to repair it. Not a good time to be asking me for a dollar. <laughs> so yeah. um, so but generally and this is probably one of the hardest things there is about fundraising, besides I think the misperception about the ass, but the the, the question: If if somebody says no, you have to you have to do a little digging. You have to try and find out why that is. And you know, obviously, if you're asking the person for money, you have some kind of a relationship. So, I would say that um, trust that relationship and say, well, you know, Frank, why is it? I mean, is it the wrong time? Um, would there be a better time to come back? Or you know, would you rather talk to me next spring? Or and that's hard to do because. I know how you feel. You you feel like, oh my gosh, I just got rejected, slammed into the ground. And the last thing you want to do is to go, you know, asking more questions. But that's <clears throat> that's generally how you can do it. It's just try and find out in a very high level way what the reason is behind the no, and see if you can get around that and find out. Okay, maybe this person will give me a, you know, an, an, another opportunity to talk to him, you know, in a couple months or next year or whatever. Um, but that's it's a tough thing to do because people, it's not generally in people's um, comfort zone because they want to, as soon as they hear the no, they go, I'm out the door. <laughs> so hope that helps. Yeah. Good, good advice, Tom. I will say this. Uh, <clears throat> the worst thing that can happen is you contact a company or a business or individual, and, the, you know, and then they say uh, something like, well, I'm, uh, you know, I, I got to do this, I got to do I got to, I'm going to have to think about this, you know, and, um, uh, yada, they ham and haw around. Well, a lot of people take that as rejection. Don't do that. Uh, call them back in in a week or two, you know. And uh, I, because I do, and I I keep doing it. I bug them. I don't want to bug them every day, but I'll bug them every every couple of weeks or so until I get a definite no. When they give me a definite no, I don't bother them anymore. I may call them next year, six months or next year, you know. But I think a lot of people give up when they when they don't when they when they approach somebody and or a company and they don't feel comfortable with the person they're talking with. They they take it as a rejection, but they really don't get a flat no. Well, don't don't give up there. Keep keep trying, because a lot of those a lot of those people you contact are really busy people, and there are a lot of worthwhile charities out there. And I've had some say, well, I, I'll have to think about it, but I'm, I'm already given to this charity and that charity, and, you know, um, I don't care. I'll keep, I'll keep calling them, you know. Yes. Yeah, Leslie. Yeah, well, she needs a mic.
The other thing that I come in contact with also, what you're saying, Dan, it's true. If, if they him and haw around, it's not, a, it's not a flat out no. The other thing is Friday is a horrible day to call people and ask people. I've, re- I've learned this throughout the years. Friday is a day that they are ready to get out the door. So if you're calling and asking and they him and haw and, they, and it's Friday... I'd say call on Tuesday because yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a bad day. Yes, it and is. And I've learned that from experience. <laughs> yeah, you're, that's a good point, Leslie. Fridays are not good. People are anxious to get done with their work and, and get away for the weekend. And uh, This is Michael Neal from Ogden, Utah here. I just wanted to make one quick point. When I was studying sales at Weber State University, they pointed out don't ever take the no personally because I don't remember it was high like 80% of the sales or more were made after the third no and even after the fifth so the percentage of no's you're going to take before you get a yes is pretty high. You're right Michael. I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of salesmen. They say, you know I think the average is like the on the on the fifth or sixth call is when they might may make the sale and so you just you can't give up on it. I don't, I don't know if everybody knows the KFC story, but um, he was retirement age when he said to his wife, I'm a failure, and she said, no, you, uh, you know how to cook good chicken. And you would not even imagine how many hundreds, maybe up to a thousand, rejections he took for his first franchise, and he just never gave up. That's what it's about, never give up. I hear it all the time, but it's true. Any questions? More questions? One, one more technical question. As, oh. you know, we aren't yet an affiliate. We're members at large. We're trying to get a group together. And if as an affiliate or as a chapter of the ACB, is an organization automatically a not-for-profit organization or do we need to file separately? You need to file for a 501c3 uh, status. Does anyone know how much that costs? I'll keep going. I mean, I just thought I'd ask that question now if anybody knew. $400 rings a bell, but I may be totally off base of that. Um, That is. Somebody have his phone number? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Lane Waters is our controller, so he, he would be able to answer that question if he was here. It, it's in that range of around $500, give or take, a little bit. And, and it requires filling out some, some forms and, and getting started. Yeah. So um, I, I guess this is Dan. A, a couple things to share with you all as you are talking, I think, make really good sense. Is First of all, just a question for you all. Maybe you could answer with a round of applause. When, do you right now have a simple document, a one or two page document, an electronic document that you can easily send to somebody that tells them about your organization. Very good. That That is the very first thing you need, is you need the ability to very simply, you know, they call it, a lot, some people call it the 30 second elevator speech, but you need the ability to tell people who you are to start that relationship. And then 
The second thing is, do you have something in mind when you're going to make the ask? Do you have not a big, sophisticated document, but something written down that you could share with folks that says, this is why we would like money from you? Mm -hmm. Please, well, we're learning. So, but that's the second thing that's really, really important is you need a, a simple document that tells about yourself and you need a document that says, here's what I'm asking for. I'm, I'm having a bowl-a-thon and I'd really love pl pledges and we've got 30 blind people from across West Virginia that are coming to our bowling tournament and this is why we need your help, you know, or... This is, these are the five key things that our organization does with this money. We provide peer support services. We provide transportation for our members. We provide uh, a Sunday cookout. You know, we provide uh, diskettes so people can, you know, uh, receive additional books or, you know, whatever it might be. You need to have first a story, that very, a paper that tells very quickly about yourself and then you need to have a, a simple document that talks about why you would like money. Uh, while Carla's getting set up, the, the other thing, uh, first of all, this is really important. We're going to do a door prize for some Starbucks coffee. So this is how we're going to do the door prize. And we're going to do it a little different. We didn't hand out tickets or everything. Nobody can ever read the tickets. It's all, you know, so hey. So here's what we're going to do. If this is your first ACB convention, please stand up. All right, we have five first-time convention goers. Okay. All right. And welcome. Six. Okay. Five. Okay, we've got five. All right. So you don't you don't you don't get a you don't get a door prize just because you're a first-time goer. That's 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 the first criteria. That was too easy. Now. Here's the second thing. So the first person that can answer this question for me, and this is hard because you're first timers, so be ready. Who is the president of ACB? Who said that? Rick Wilkinson. Rick Wilkinson. All right. From Sarasota, Florida. All right. Welcome, Rick. I know Rick. Welcome. All right. <laughs> That's not Let true. Let me say one more thing. Then. Okay, go ahead, Daniel. One more thing I'd like to say. If you guys uh, get interested in, in fundraising, you've got, you've got some things on your mind, you've got some questions, any one of us would be happy to answer questions for you uh, down the road. So we want to make ourselves available to you all and help you in any way we can. Thank you. All right, let's give Dan a big round of applause. Oh, a standing ovation. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Here, Jill, and I'll give you that. All right. All right. So real quickly, while Carla will, will, uh, Carla's ready. Okay. I'm going to tell one story, and then I'll turn it over to Carla. And this is, again, about relationship building. And it's a story I want to share with you because I think uh, someone earlier said, well, I'm new to the area. How do I develop relationships? How do I kind of get my network growing, increasing. Your network is every person you run into. Leslie and I, twice a year, and this is our little treat, we, we live in Orlando, Florida. So twice in a year, we go down to Key West, Florida, just to, to relax and get away for a few days. 
And when we go down there, we stay at this little bed and breakfast, and we have the opportunity to run into people from all across the country. And they're always very interested about us. You know, what are you blind people doing in Key West? How do you get around? Are you by yourself? You know, did anybody come with you? Do you have, do you have a guide, a companion? Do you just do you just sit on the porch all day and uh, you know wait for breakfast the next morning? You know what what do you guys do down here? And so you know of course we you know by the time the two or three or four days are over, you know we're they're like oh you guys are great you know hey Dan while you're getting that beer can you pour me one I you know I don't hate to get up and bother anybody you know so over time we develop these relationships just with people we meet for the very first time we don't know these people at all. Well, over the, you know, four, five, six years that we've kind of been going down there, we keep, you know, sometimes we run into the same people. So what do we do? We ask, you know, we get their names, we get their email. We don't get, we don't ask for money, we, but we get their names, we get their emails, we call, you know, we write them and tell them about how nice it was to see them, and we hope to see them again in a few months if, if, we, if we can hook up again when we go down to Key West. Well, now here we are in the in the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk comes along, and so Leslie says, you know, we've got these email addresses of folks we've met down in Key West. You think we could team this year? Team this year, the couples we've met down in Key West have donated seven hundred and fifty dollars to our walk team. Now, that you wouldn't think that you would. But but it's the impression you make just in your day-to-day lives, and, and networks are all over the place, whether they be your friends and family, your church, your school, your work, any social groups or social clubs you belong to. It's amazing how wide your network can be if you stop and think about it for a little bit. So with that, I'm now going to turn it over to Carla, who's going to talk to us about civic organizations and building your relationships with those groups. Okay, there it is. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. I was down, imagine this, I was down collecting money in the mini mall. <laughs> they, uh, they, I don't know about that, but I know in the first hour the mini mall was open, they took in over $1,000, so they were hopping this afternoon. <laughs> All right, Dan tells me that I'm supposed to talk about fundraising with things like service clubs, Lions Clubs, etc., and uh, I don't consider myself an expert in that area, but I have been pretty successful, especially with um, a couple of clubs. And I think that the techniques that I've used, some of them go right along with what Dan was saying, what I heard Dan Spoon saying. I didn't hear um, the two previous presentations, so I may be covering, going back over what you've already heard, and if so, I apologize. But when you approach... Let's just use a Lions Club, for example, because we all think about Lions Clubs. You know, their mission is to, is to serve, and they especially have a mission to help those who are blind or visually impaired 
and also to help with prevent blindness. Our club, the club that I am part of in Louisville, is um, not so much a large club anymore, but it has a large amount of money. That's nice. Um, You know, they can have 12 members, but if they've got several hundred thousand dollars, that's just hunky-dory with me. And uh, so I'm real happy with that, uh, so long as they share. And um, I like to give them opportunities to share. Years ago, when I didn't know much about Lions Clubs, one time I was invited to come and speak to this same Lions Club. And I said, oh, good. That's great. I can go ask them to support, at that time, the Kentucky Council of Blindness running adult education projects. And I can go and ask them for support for our ceramics class. So I did. And guess how much I got? Anybody want to guess? I got zero. Why did I get zero? Because I walked in there. I knew only one or two people in that club. I had no background with that club. They invited me to come and familiarize them with the programs we were running. They wanted me to tell them about all the great things we were doing, and I did that. But the ask was not part of that. When you go and talk to most civic clubs that that I know about, you don't go and ask the first time. That's sort of not real cool. And it's almost a good way to get very little or nothing. Um, On the other hand, I joined the club. I had absolutely no intention of becoming a lion. That was okay for other people, but I wasn't going to go out and work a vision screening booth that I couldn't do anything at the vision screening booth that I was interested in doing. Um, Not that I didn't want to prevent vision problems, but there just wasn't a whole lot I could do working on those machines. Um, I wasn't interested in going and doing, uh, putting plastic upon windows for Project Warm. That wasn't my thing either. So I wasn't too good with, you know, the hammering and the putting on tape and that kind of stuff. So that wasn't my thing, and that's what I saw them doing most of the time. But when I joined, when, actually, when Adam and I got married, um, he was in Lions Club. And it was a little inequitable in the beginning because he said to me, Now, I'm not going to do the council thing. You can go off to conventions all you want to, but I'm not going. I'm not going to join. And I said, okay. There seemed to be something wrong with that picture because within a week or two, I was in the Lions Club, which is, that was his thing. (laughs) Well, two years later, he was in ACB, and he hasn't missed a convention since 1999. So I guess it was kind of balanced. At any rate, I discovered through his saying, hey, here's how you do this. I discovered that you build, as Dan Spoon was saying, you build that relationship. And the first time you go in and ask for something, you, you, ask, you don't ask for the, the big thing. First of all, you decide, how much money does this club have? What is their usual gift? What do they normally like to fund? And 
If they give a gift of 200, go, don't, on the average, don't go in and ask them for 2,000. You're not going to get it. They may not even have $2,000. So you have to take that into consideration. But the other thing that you need to take into consideration is what do they want to know? They probably don't want to know if you want to buy, um, if you want to do some publicity for a great project you've got going and you need a little extra help. They probably don't want to know that you're going to spend 77 cents per item for something as opposed to 76 cents. Um, if you tell them that, they're probably going to say, well, I know Joe down the street and he can get it for 73. You don't want to get into that discussion. That's a waste of time. But you want to give them a pretty good idea that you know what you're talking about. So write a letter that, that preferably one or two pages, one is really good, and spell out, tell them about yourself, what you do, and what you need the money for. And, and go into a little detail. This is what we're going to do with the money, and this is where additional support is coming from. And make it a small gift at the beginning. Um, because they have to come to trust you, too. Everybody wants money. Everybody has their hands stuck out. Whether they really need it or not, they want it. And you don't want to give them too much detail in the beginning, but enough to let them know that you are credible. The next time you go, you can ask for a little more. Over the years, I used to have to really explain things. Sometimes I had to go into a board meeting and I'd write a letter, and then I might take, they might question me for 10 or 15 minutes about what we were going to do. Um, it's been, I've, I've been at it for quite a while, and this last May, I guess it was. Maybe it was April. I, I had five requests. Actually, I had six. But I went into a board meeting, and the president said, Oh, Carla, do, is there anything you'd like tonight? And I had told her I would have a few requests. Let the president of the club, be it Lions or Rotary or whatever, tell them that you're going to, that you have a request. Just don't kind of blindside them and walk in and say, Oh, I'd like $5,000. Thank you. You know. It, it, let people know, communicate, that's key, with the officers, especially the president, so you get time to present what you want to present. Be aware that you're probably not the only one asking at the board meeting. So you want to be quick with what you ask, but be prepared to answer additional questions. The last time that I went in and, and I had six requests, she said, well, we've probably got time for, we've got time for three or four. And so I went through what I wanted. And then she said, oh, there's a little more. Don't you have another one? I, well, yes, I'm never without a request. And when I walked out of there that night, I had, I had checks for five projects and they totaled $5,200. Now, I could have had more. I asked for money for sound prints. That's the weekly audio magazine that the Kentucky Council of the Blind produces. And I have gotten as much as $5,000 for sound prints in the past, but this year we didn't need but three. So I don't ever ask for too much. 
I don't ever inflate, um, you know, and just, just get it because I can get it. Because if they ever discover that that's what you've done, your credibility is zero. Last year, I took a new request in. Our alumni association at the Kentucky School for the Blind um, was unable to hold our reunion on the school campus. And it was going to cost us about $1,600 for meeting space that we wouldn't have had to pay for had we had it at the school. I went to my Lions Club and I said, we would like a sponsorship. Would you consider a sponsorship for this? Would you consider $1,000? Because I've gotten to the point that I can ask them. I can start at that for something I consider really credible. And they said, what do you mean? What do you mean you can't have it? You go and you get, you solve things with that principle and, you know, we'll do it this time, but don't you come back and ask again. Okay, all right. But thanks for the check, you know. <laughs> I got the 1000 That took me about 10 or 12 minutes to get that. This year, there was one of my five, no, it wasn't. I requested it this last month. And I said, they had a few minutes, and I said, oh, I have a request. And they said, oh, good, all right. And so I said, our alumni, now notice how this is a different little tact. That didn't work to say we just couldn't do it at the school because here's the facilities use policy that had changed. They didn't like that. So this year I said, we are having our reunion on Friday and Saturday in August, and it is going to be at the hotel again, and our cost is $900 a day. But on Friday, we are going to have a special historical program. And we are going to have a photo exchange to help ourselves and our members to preserve our history. And would you consider sponsoring our history project? You know how long it took me to get the thousand bucks? You're right. <laughs> and no objections. None. So, you know, I didn't, at this point, I didn't even have to write that letter. But that comes after all these years. So get to know, Dan spends that advice that I heard is so important. Get to know the people sitting around the tables in whatever civic organization you're going to. A lot of the groups are just waiting for somebody to come and ask with a project that they can really feel part of. Invite them to come and speak at your projects. We have had a person who's been president of um, the One Lions Club. We've had him come and be a banquet speaker. We had him come and speak at our Crossroads Leadership Conference. We had another person in that club who has been um, an accountant. He's been um, a, a, a CEO of an international firm. We've had him come and speak at our Crossroads Conference. We try to involve people. Now we have a person in the club who's saying, oh, please, let me come and help you with your historical project. I want to volunteer some time to help out. Well, you know, that's, you can't, sometimes you can't buy that kind of thing. Involve them and they will support you. Now, sometimes we say, oh, I'm sure they'll volunteer. 
Well, you might have a club that has a lot of people who are sort of elderly and getting older every day, and maybe they just can't physically do a lot of things, but they still have money to give. Um, Think about, be cognizant of that too and what you ask them to do. Um, They really may be more comfortable with writing the check, but they may have friends as well. So you always ask. And finally, and finally, you, you want to be sure that they know the outcome of your event. Be sure that they know that you helped a certain number of people or what the, what the, um, what the benefit was to people. Um, it, it's, it's, and it's always possible to move in a new project at some point. Um, the, the final thing that you want to absolutely know is what is their fiscal year? That's, why would that be important? Well, at a new fiscal year, they have, uh, they're starting out with a new budget. And so that can be good to make sure that you're getting your requests in there. But I tend to wait in the case of uh, in the case of the Lions Club I belong to. Now, I would not do this with some of the other clubs I've gone to and ask. But in the case of, and this is why it's important, you know your club. In the case of our club, our club runs bingo. And they oftentimes have money at the end of their fiscal year. And this year was one of those years. So that's when I took my alumni request in because I thought it would be more likely to get funded. Um, it, it, I think they, I, I feel confident that they funded it because they liked the history concept. But get a sense of when the club has money. Um, if at the beginning of the year they're really struggling until they have a big fundraiser, don't ask before that fundraiser. But be sure you're going to ask soon after. So just know the timing, know the people, and build the trust. And you will find that civic clubs are uh, often anxious to support your project, be it with a $100 donation or a $50 donation or a three, four, five, or, th- or a don- $5,000 donation or up. So um, are there any questions? Okay. Well, I hope it's helpful. Oh. Yeah. I have one question. All right. And I've, I've had this challenge in the past, is where do you find contact information for local service clubs that can be harder than... I, I found it sometimes to be difficult to find information, and when I find it often, it's out of, outdated. So where do you find You know, that's a really that good point. Um, we sometimes have a hard time in finding local information when we come... You know, the ACB Lions... Uh, do a, a local club visit or what, and that's sometimes really hard to get contact information and get people to call you back. But you can, um, if, if you know, use your online searches to get some basic information. Um, but then, you know, start asking around. If you've got a friend that is in a a particular club, they will often know how to contact another club. Um, 
In addition, there are the national headquarters of the clubs, and they know where they all are. And they have the, um, the leadership in all clubs. So, you know, you might want to use that as a resource as well. So, so I, would definitely, um, I would definitely do that. All right, another question? Yes. Um, when you've received a donation from a club, of course you want to thank them. What form does that thank you take? Is it a written letter, an email, a phone call? You can, you can email. Then most clubs today, or at least the, um, most of them, I think you can email. You can email your request. Now, when I have a request... I email, if I'm going to submit something in writing, I email it to the president of the club, and then they will print it out if they want and bring it and pass it out. Um, Other clubs may not function that way. Feel free to ask them, how would you like the request? When it comes to the thank you, if your request needs to be submitted on paper, put your thank you on paper. If you've emailed your request to the president, then send your thank you by email to the president. So, you know, take your cue from the club. Not all clubs, in fact, clubs often operate differently. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Great job, Carla. Thank you so much. All right. About ready to wrap. All right. Mike from Oregon, are you out there? Utah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Mike from Utah. Okay. Here we go. I thought this will be fun. So let's do a little role play. What do you say? Sounds good. So here I am. I am Bubba Charlson, president of the Shreveport, Louisiana Lions Club. Been been a, been the president for the last fifteen years. No, you can't do that. I can't do that. See, I've already broken the rules. This is Louisiana. We can do anything. <laughs> so, uh, so Michael, why, Mike, why don't you tell me a little bit about your organization and uh, why you want to why you want to talk to the Lions this evening? Okay. Well, it's wonderful. Hold on. We'll get you a mic. We'll get you a mic. Mike for Mike. Yes. Now, just to make sure I'm speaking with Bubba Charlson, right? That's correct, Bubba Charlson. Okay, Bubba, it's great to... My friends just call me B. Charlson. B, oh yes, B. Um, I understand you've been president here for a long time, and I just was wondering if you could help me out personally. I'm really into this ACB thing, and we provide so much opportunity for blind people. We have the cab coupons hauling them back and forth from Ogden to Salt Lake here, and and we uh, have great organization that provides reading services, and once a week the person comes over and reads. We have social activities once a month. I was just wondering if you could maybe uh, consider us as one of your potential uh, people that you support. Well, that would be interesting, but but tell me, tell me a little bit more about yourself, Michael. What, what about myself? Well, yeah, what, I, 
I, I did neglect to tell you that as part of the UCB, I go out on a teener, teacher trainer program once a week, and we teach daily living skills and Braille and uh, mobility to people in kind of a mentoring program, and, and we uh, help those people to become more independent and become great supporters of the community in any way that they can uh, be functional and, and contributing members to com- the community. So I, uh, does that help you at all? Yeah, you know, we, we, we with the Lions, we, you know, one of our charters is to help blind and visually impaired folks. So blindness is something that's near and dear to our hearts. How many people are in your organization? We have uh, probably... 100 to 150 locally in Utah, but it's uh, connected with the ACB, which is a national organization. Uh, so we have them all over the country, and, and it's a great organization uh, around the country. That's amazing. You have 100 to 150 people. Have any of you thought of ever becoming a lion? Ah. Uh. Well, lions and tigers and bears, I think we would. <laughs> Do you know anything about the lions? Um, I know that you support and do guide dogs. My guide dog was uh, supported by the Lions, and I've really appreciated that great support because he's an excellent guide dog. Oh, we love those puppy dogs. I tell you, we had, we've been helping that organization for the last 20 years. You know, they came the first time we gave them a little bit of dog food, and now I think they, I think we fund at least $15,000 to that guide dog school every year. We are a platinum sponsor for their walk every year. Oh, that's great. Uh, do you all, do well, you all have, anybody that, do you have anybody that uses guide dogs in your group? Oh, we sure do, and, and we're just kind of looking for a little bit of dog food, too. So anytime you can send a little bit of dog food our way, that'd be really great. And then so, it can just blossom into something grand over, over time. So what, what are you looking for today? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, dog food. And <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, thank you for coming. We'll get back to you. And think about becoming a lion, would you? Oh, yes. Liar's good. All right. So thank you, Michael. Let's give Mike a big round of applause. I think he gets a, he gets a door prize, Leslie. Way to go, Mike. Hey, now. All right. So, so real quick. Now, that's big. this is all constructive criticism. What do we think about Michael's presentation? What... What did he do good? Well, first of all, what did he do really good? Come on. He was thinking on his feet. He told a story about himself and his guide dog. So that kind of made people feel, made Bubba feel a little connected with him. Yes? And he explained about his organization. That's right, Angelo. Now, anything that maybe Michael could have done a little bit better? You never said what ACB's uh, letters stand for. Yeah, right. So, so, and we get caught up. That's a very good point. And we get caught up in that a lot where we think that it, we're so familiar with the acronyms that we think everybody's familiar with the acronyms. And what, that, that's a very good point. And when you go out into the general community, 
they don't know what ACB is. They don't know what CCLVI is. They don't know what the you know DOJ is. The, 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 they they have no clue what we're talking about half the time. So so that's a very good point that you want to make sure and talk in very basic terms. I'm a blind person from a blind organization, and I you know <laughs> no no not quite that basic. But but you know but you're right. Very good point. Anything else? Very good. Well, we're going to get a mic. Okay. Luckily, Jolyn's taking when, these Pilates. When you She's go really quick and speak to at your civic club for the first time, don't ask at all. Go and make your speech, and then later um, you can then inquire. Because you will have met the president, and so on. then you can inquire, uh, would it be okay if we request some money for whatever program you are emphasizing or whatever part of a program you're emphasizing? But, but don't ask the first time. Yeah, so get to know them a little more. Right. I think if you can, if you can work it out just to be on their program the yes. first time, because most of these civic organizations, a part of their meeting each week is to do a program about the community. So if you can get on that agenda and just tell them about yourself the first trip, that's always a really good way to get started and break the ice. Oh, and Dan, can I add one more thing, please? Yes, Carla. In the case of Lions Clubs, each officer in the Lions Club has a specific duty in the chairs. They, they get elected to, let's say, the second vice president, and then they move up to first and they move up to the president. Now that doesn't always work that way, but often, much of the time it does. So you need to, to know that the first vice president of a Lions Club is the person that will put you on the program. They are in charge of programming. So um, my husband Adam is the first vice president of his Lions Club this year. And so he is in charge right now of, um, of setting up programming, two programs a month for the entire year. And so that's the person that you really want to get to. Now, it may not be the, your contact, but you can ask, you know, who's the program chair? Should I contact them? I sure would like to, to be on the program. And, uh, and they'll tell you. They'll steer you to the right person. Fantastic. All right. We got to give away one more door prize, right, Leslie? I guess so. Okay. All right. So this one's going to go to we, we did the young the, the youngster first timers. Who can who has who has been the person who's come to the convention the farthest back? And Carla and Tom and Dan, you're not part of this contest. No. So has anybody been to an ACB convention before the year 2010? Yes. Okay. 
Clap if you've been to an ACB convention before 2005. Are we down to one person? Huh? Three? Or one? Three? All right. All right. Just Frank? Is it, is it only Frank? Okay, well, Frank, you win the door prize. What was your first convention, Frank? 1987. Wow, way to, way to go, Frank. All right, any other questions for you all tonight? If, if you, again, if you want more information, if you want the handout that was sent by, for Rob Cummings electronically, it was what? ttobin at acb.org. And then with that, he'll be happy to email you a response. Uh, For everyone else, thank you for coming. Have a great convention and a great week. Thank you all.